She's Julie Roxanne. And he's Alistair. And And this this is Far Out. A podcast about stepping off the beaten path and learning to live from our center. And yeah, I'm, I'm hopefully not painting here a rosy picture that I have figured everything out and that is that's the way to you know to ultimate freedom because this the struggle is real if you were we call bullshit on you <laughs> yeah absolutely not how are you going to connect with that source where anything different could emerge from you're hired to work for a hustle <laughs> 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 I am. I am, will expand the coaching network from Hustle, and I will definitely send you an invitation well, because I'm all in. <laughs> <laughs> what is the sort of success that I can create for myself that will meet the needs that I have, and and sort of where I'm trying to go with with this business? Yeah, but uh, you know, we don't need any more Instagram influencers. We, yeah. we need we need more people <laughs> like you who are starting communities. Well, hello, beautiful journeyer of life, and welcome to a brand new episode of the Far Out Podcast. Welcome, welcome. That was Great new. to have you here. That was new. <laughs> Trying things on. Yes. Figuring what's what's going on for the next uh, hundred episodes. Warriors of the unknown. Oh, no, 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 no warriors. <laughs> Journeyers. 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 Journey. Journeyers. <laughs> Journey. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay, so. <laughs> Today, what are we talking about? Well, today we're talking about unhustling. Yeah. It's been a it's been a strange time uh, in our life, and we thought this would be the perfect time to bring Milena Regos, our good friend from Unhustle, to talk about you know having projects and a life and businesses and not falling into the uh, the hustle mentality that we tried to leave behind when we started our own projects. I think a lot of people out there can uh, resonate with that problem where you leave a system where you were hustling and then you find yourself hustling again yeah. for many different reasons. And that is just, that is a, we're trying to move away from that, but damn, it's hard. Yeah, yeah. So we bring Milena on today to talk about this and we've had a really fun conversation with her. It, it went, it was pretty dense. We talked about a lot of different things and she's amazing. She just has so much wisdom to share on this. So. We're excited for you to tune in. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Good morning, Julie Roxanne. Good morning, Alistair. Good morning, beautiful listeners. Good morning, listeners. We're so happy you're here. And we have someone special to introduce today. We have a guest on the podcast. Her name is Milena. Milena. Milena, it's uh, I'm terrible (laughs) at pronouncing Eastern European names, I think. uh, Uh, No, you got it. (laughs) I'm always conscious because I'm going to have traveled over there a lot and and I know I'm butchering it. And so like it hurts as I say it because I'm doing my best, but I know I know like I 
It's that American overseas, you know, and you don't know, you know, whatever you say, you got it wrong. Yeah. That's you say it beautifully. I <laughs> love how right, you say right, it. <laughs> it's, well, hello and good morning. It's really great to have you on the podcast. Um, Thank you so welcome. much for having me. I'm so honored to be with you guys. This is such Aww. a treat today. Yeah. yeah. And Milena's a friend of ours and you run a movement that you call Unhustle. And that kind of piqued our interest, uh, particularly and this is the reason we wanted to have you on right now um, was because we're feeling a little uh, hustled out, I think. Or like, <laughs> like, like we've gotten kind of, you know, I think there's a common um, challenge with the kind of life that I see you living and the life that we're also living, you know, stepping off this beaten path, whether it's you're, you're self-employed or whether you're a freelancer or you're doing some sort of project on your own or, or maybe you're an entrepreneur or whatever it is. I think a lot of us leave maybe uh, the system in quotes or whatever you want to call it, um, your nine to five job or whatever. We leave it for because we're tired of that that hustle narrative. We're tired of of that the grind, the grind and, and all that and climbing the ladder and all these you know different metaphors for it. And so we say, OK, I'm going to I'm going to step out of that. And uh, a lot of times I think that's our motivation. And it's such a challenge to continue to stay out of that because very quickly, if you're starting your own project, you realize you wear many hats and you have to do all sorts of things you didn't have to do before. And maybe you realize no one cares or is paying attention in the beginning. And so then you, and I think our society constantly is giving us this message of like, you need to do more. For example, like with our podcast, it's like, okay, you have a podcast, but is it weekly? Are you doing show notes? Then are you having transcripts to get the SEO and, mm -hmm. and for deaf people? Because I don't know yeah. how many deaf listeners, well, none, not deaf, yeah. deaf readers, but like, it's just these like, it's always like this cascading list of things that never feels like it's done. And that's just to do the podcast. And of course, the podcast is, is only, you know, part of, of our projects. And so it quickly goes out of control. And I feel like we can quickly find ourselves lost in in hustling again yeah. um just for ourselves maybe instead of for for someone else and i think lately as we've made this transition we're moving we've just moved back from guatemala we're in the u.s you were working on a lot of things you're getting your green card Julie roxanne yep. you just bought a truck and a camper we're still trying to run some like our, our businesses and we're making some major shifts i've gotten in this mode where i felt like really drained and mm -hmm. i felt like i'm i felt like i'm kind of falling into that hustle kind of mentality and I, I know when it happens because because I feel I start to feel emptier and emptier and, and it feels tougher so I thought this would be a great time to bring you on because you think about this a lot Milena and this is something that has been a, a big part of of uh what it's you do life. so yeah yeah so I, I thought it would be great to talk to you about it and see if you had any tips for us <laughs> and maybe a good place to start would be to just have a little background on how this got to be your life because I'm assuming it wasn't always your life you're absolutely right all right so what you described is the perfect catch-22 right mm -hmm. for for so many of us including myself, right? I mean, we, we get into, yeah, I'm going to start a business and then to have more freedom and more flexibility. And then so quickly you get back into this. Now I have no time for myself, which was the whole reason you started the business in the first place, which is exactly what happened to me. So I was, uh, I had a digital marketing, well, before the digital marketing agency, let's back, back, back up a little bit. I was the marketing director for a ski resort in the town of Incline Village, 
running all the marketing activities for the town and having, you know, getting paid to ski, really, mm. um, which Sweet. is not a bad job um, <laughs> and getting paid really well. And I did that for 10 years. And then part of me was like, oh, but I, but I want to run my own business. I want to have my own business because I was missing the freedom and the flexibility. I didn't want to be in Lake Tahoe in the winter time. It's cold. It's brutal. And as much as I loved skiing and I love the people who I worked with, I just, I have this entrepreneurial spirit in me. I have that rebel and I wanted to be in charge of my own destiny. So social media was, was taking off and, um, you know, I started my own digital marketing agency and started acquiring more and more clients and, and building a team and, and we were doing a phenomenal job. We had fantastic clients to work with. I mean, some brands that everybody knows, like the Ritz and Madonna and Steve Nash and, uh, wow. you know, Squaw Valley. I mean, I had some fantastic clients and things were going really well on the outside. Um, on the inside, um, things started to get a bit fuzzy, you know, um, mm. doing social media. Um, I was just talking with somebody about the social dilemma and, and, and how Great much that, yeah, how much that exposed to a lot of people. And I was right in the midst of all of this. And even though I was uh, promoting messages that are benefiting humanity and, and getting people to change their life for the better, I still felt like, you know, I was, I was manipulating people. I was, you know, playing the algorithms games. Um, you know, I was building a team and working 18 hour days and being fully into that hustle. Uh, my brain was scrambled because of constantly being online. And, um, I got burnout, you know, pretty close to burnout. Um, burnout wasn't exactly a medical condition back then, but I, was, mm. I had, I definitely had chronic stress. I had the digestive problems for 20 years that came with this. Um, my sleep was horrible. Um, I would constantly tell my husband, you know, I would work all day and cook dinner and then he would sit down, watch TV and relax. And I would go back to work and I work till mm. 12 or one o'clock, um, and get up at six and do it again after uh, excruciating workout, which completely left me, you know, uh, my adrenal, um, Glands were, were exhausted. Um, so basically, I was a mess. Mm. Even though on the outside, everything looked great. You know, I was making great money and had the lifestyle. And we, we were traveling all around the country for, you know, or, or sorry, all around the world for like as, as little time as I could afford to take away from work. Mm. So at some point in time, uh, we decided to plan this trip for... Um, a week, 10 days, and go down to Baja California, Sur. We have friends down there. And we it was around Thanksgiving, so I figured I can I can afford to take, you know, four days away from work. Um, I had my team. I figured I'll stay connected from down there. So we drove into this little town, which really reminded me of a little town from from back home uh, on the coast. There's a lot of kite surfing and windsurfing action happening small cute town few restaurants very green lush and my stress level started going down the minute i started driving through the through the cordon desert there through the cactuses now we get to town and there's very little internet so mm -hmm. all of a sudden i realized that yeah i might be able to stay in touch with with my team via phone but this is going to turn into a digital detox trip uh by default i didn't really plan it that way now yeah. mind you i was pretty addicted to technology back then so all of a sudden you take somebody who's 
constantly on their phone and you throw them into a 10-day digital detox. That's um, an existential crisis. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And so to, to, to ease that crisis, I decided to learn how to kite, kiteboard because when you're in the ocean um, and you're connected to this kite, um, I'm basically fighting for my life. I had to be fully focused. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was in that moment, that was my aha moment, when I was in the ocean, floating around, being completely in my body, having like a moment of complete state of flow, completely mindful experience that I realized, what am I doing? You know, there's, there's, there's more to life than just working. And why are we killing ourselves and for what? And is there a better way of doing this? So, you know, it was a great experience. I came back home. I basically decided that I need to change my life and I need to, to take my freedom back. And so I started to downsize my clients and my team. And then we went back to the same place in March and spent a month this time. Wow. And that was like trying, you know, little little like trial periods. Can we take a month off and can we bend reality and see if we can take a month off and, and get out of our current life? And I think changing your scenery could be so helpful to kind of shift your perspective and, and get you to think differently about things. By the end of that one month, we committed to purchasing land in that place. And then we decided that we're going to do whatever it takes to figure out how to take a month, a minimum, hopefully more, and start sharing our time between this place and Lake Tahoe and playing, you know, the, the Tim Ferriss mini retirement game. And we just committed to doing it, which took us on this whole journey, which led to hustle. So basically, we started simplifying our house, minimizing our material possessions, um, being very focused, very committed. I started taking a lot more time away from technology so I can heal my body, started, you know, spending more time in nature. And then, then I went on this a little bit more spiritual journey as well with, you know, getting getting into more mindfulness and meditation and I even got into like Akashic Records and all this stuff, which eventually, you know, a few months later, I said, okay, my purpose in the world is so much more than doing digital marketing and Facebook ads. My purpose is to inspire and educate and show people that there is a higher consciousness and a higher uh, way, a new way of living and working, which is Mm. so much more balanced and multidimensional as opposed to the whole uh, sole focus on work. And so um, I went on that journey by myself and I realized really quickly that when you do take the time to slow down and to simplify and to focus on one thing at a time, all of a sudden you're actually unlocking so much more power and energy to create better things with, with bigger impact while you're using less energy, less brain power, less of everything that we stand against and so much more joy and fulfillment and purpose. But it does take a lot of courage and a lot of bravery to go on a step, on a journey like this. And I completely understand that not everybody is possible. It's not possible for everybody. I mean, I went through thousands of dollars, you know, with my Human Potential Coaching Institute, with a whole bunch of mindfulness trainings, stress reduction mindfulness, a lot of trainings. And so what I'm trying to do right now with my company is expedite this process for people. And what, this is where you and I can talk about, I can take you on the whole unhustle framework and kind of talk a little bit about 
why unlearning, unthinking, all these things that society has told us are the right things to do are not necessarily the right things to do and how we can challenge them and redefine success and step out of the ordinary, which is what you guys are doing, yet do it in a very mindful and purposeful way so you don't get back into that daily grind, which so many of us uh, fall into. Yeah, and I think you've, you've already said a lot that, I, that I'd like to kind of touch on because this story is so familiar for and not just for for me but for a lot of the people that I hear kind of going similar paths right and and there's a couple parts of it that I just want to pick out and the first one is it seems like first off a lot of times it comes from realizing success either early or or just getting to whatever that that success point that for whatever reason is programmed into us or or we've dreamed up ourselves and realizing like okay this is this is actually a bit of a phantom, right? And it sounds like you hit that with your, with your digital marketing agency, and maybe even before that, with the with the uh, marketing and with, with the ski job. And so there, there's that aspect of it that I noticed a lot, which is like we we realize what we think our goals are, and realize that they're they're kind of lame goals. And <laughs> yeah, and I mean, but I think a lot of this is in my first like module, so to speak, of unhustle or, or like the foundational is exactly that. It's like unlearning that what success means and what society really defines success to be. I mean, but here's the thing: going back to and this isn't a, any kind of novel concept that I came up with. I mean, going back to to the Greeks and to you know Latin times, carpe diem. Mm-hmm. It has been taken out of context to, you know, seize the day, meaning, well, yeah, let's go really hard after it, when in reality, carpe diem is like, no, stop and smell the roses, which mm-hmm. so few of us take the time to do. And I think there's something so fascinating that happens when you, I think this is the trap, right? Is you can continue to bring that mindset of goal-oriented in your like unhustle, like when you step out of the path and you say, okay, I'm just going to have a more chilled, relaxed life and build my own projects and work for myself. But then if you bring that goal oriented mindset, which I think has a value, but can be so tricky because what happens when you reach your goal? Like I, I can't remember who it, it might be Oscar Wilde or someone said like the, the two biggest tragedies in life is uh, not getting what you want and getting it, you know? And so like getting to that goal, there's always a moment of, Oh, then what now? You know, <laughs> instead of cultivating a practice of I'm enjoying every minute of every day, it's, it, it, it's like, there's always this tendency, which I think is very human and, and normal to like, want to orient our, our energy towards these goals in the future, but that's not always very fulfilling. Right. And the goal is always going to move. Yes. There's always going to be the next goal. What's next? And you guys were talking about at the beginning, you know, now we have a podcast. Now we have to do this. Now we have to do this. So there's a lot mm. of shoots and have to, um, that again have been instilled in us in, from society, from school, from our parents, and you know, really appeal to our ego. Where so we're constantly chasing a goal and never feeling the fulfillment at the end of the day because mm. we and, and we're chasing these material things because they bring us momentary happiness. When we know that the research shows that happiness is really 
not in the material things, it's more in the relationships and the connections. But we, we sacrifice the relationships and the connections to make money, to buy stuff that make us happy. And it's a never ending cycle. Mm. Mm. I want to get back to like one other part of your story that I heard. There's, there's this early disillusionment, I think, mm. with our goals or like, re- like thinking that the goal is going to, going to be the destination. And the turn, like you said, it, 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 it moves. And, and a lot of times come realizing with that, that we might have sold ourselves out to get to a goal that didn't really matter. And, and then, and oftentimes I think one of the other ways, if you want to call this an awakening of some sort, right, is like there's a health crisis or there's some sort of crisis. Mm-hmm. A lot of times that's the way. And the other, but the other way that it often seems to happen, which you also mentioned, is, you know, your experience kite surfing. And I had a similar experience when I started trekking when I was, when I was traveling and I got in those same flow states. And then, you know, it's like when, when you're out on your own in the wilderness for a week on end, like my, my attention is solely on, you know, making like the things I need to do to, to survive and navigate that wilderness. And it brought me like radically into the moment. And, and so we, we can, we start to taste that other way or like this, this connection or whatever. And, and I think when we get a glimpse of that, a lot of times, you know, like you kind of said, it's like, whoa, or there's more. It's paradigm there, shifting. Yeah, there's more to it. And I think that seems to be the kind of gateways or the doorways to maybe having the courage to like, it kind of almost whets your curiosity. Mm. Like, okay, you almost need a glimpse of it or or you need something so bad you're motivated to leave. Like, and, and go, f- you're, you're desperate to just find something else. And sometimes it's go together. And then, or, or you have to taste something that's just profoundly better in a way. Because right? yeah, it does take courage. Well, yeah, and it could because that I, I feel like those are the two sources where where maybe one's more desperation and and one, but I, that that's where I often we can find the courage. Because you said something else that um, I think is really resonant for me is like you said, oh, maybe we'll go down there for a month and try to bend reality, <laughs> and that feels like what it's like, right? Because we grow up in this this paradigm where like it is reality. We're all drinking that Kool-Aid to some degree. And it takes real courage to step out of that and say like, maybe we should step out of the cave, you know, and see what's outside. It's really scary to do individually. And it, it can feel a little crazy. It, it is really scary to do. And I don't know where to go first in the courage area or in the flow area, because I am not opposed to growing your business and scaling your business and, and, hashtag crushing it mm-hmm. um but i'm i'm all in favor of doing it very mindfully and, and so i went on this journey to figure out how to how to unlock the key to how to do this in a in a less painful way than getting stuck in the grind and the answer to me is getting into a state of flow while you're working which a 10-year mckinsey study uh, found that executives who work in a state of flow are 500% more productive than other people, which means you can do your work on a Monday and take Tuesday to a Friday off. And you're mm-hmm. still doing more than everybody else around you who is hustling. And so to, I, I just want to make it perfectly clear that I'm not about, and hustle is not just about slowing down and resting and playing, there's a huge component to that and how to do it in a way that that adds to your work state instead of taking away from it, which mm-hmm. also I see a lot of people wasting their free time. And the reason they get addicted to work is because they have uh, they feel challenged 
they get uh, some fulfillment out of it. And obviously it brings in money. So, so you get stuck on that treadmill of work, work, work. The issue is they don't take the time to do the deep play. So when they're actually taking time off, they're sitting on the couch watching Netflix. That doesn't give them the fulfillment from that state of flow. Like you said, you're out there hiking and you get into that flow state. Um, but if you do that, you would, it will add to your work and it will, add more fulfillment to your overall life. But very few of us actually do it. That's why you see really, really successful people being, you know, climbing, climbing mountains or sailing around the world or running marathons because they find the same type of challenge and reward behavior than they get from work. It complements their work. It doesn't distract them from it. Now, with regards to the courage part, it definitely is a mindset, and that's part of what I'm um, doing with that hustle. There is a mindset component, which having courage and having bravery to do things out of the ordinary, to stay, to to get out of that square box we've been put in, is a is a huge component. But it's really hard, right? And how do you build courage? So courage is a muscle, and you can train it, you can build it, and you know it's really courageous to go and travel the world and and break the mold and learn to kiteboard. But that's not how it starts. You know, you build courage. You know how I build my courage? Honestly, I do it with cold therapy. And it's it's something that you mm. you can do. Everybody can do. Like you can start tomorrow when you're taking a shower, you know, flip that switch to the cold water in the last five seconds. That takes mm. courage to do. You know, courage mm-hmm. is not something that we see like, oh, changing the world. Courage, you can, you can practice your courage muscle on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, and, and when you do things like that, you start to feel like, oh, I can handle that, right? And it allows you to take that, that step forward. One thing that comes to mind for me is around building courage is for me, I, I read, I think one way that can really help, because we're really just talking about stepping out into the unknown, right? And kind of, mm-hmm. and, and kind of augmenting our reality, right? improving it or changing it when we see that something's not working so like something's not healthy here right and this is kind of the old story of like the sick kingdom right with the sickly king the tyrant king and the hero who has to kind of step out in beyond the borders of the kingdom find something new bring it back maybe slay the king or whatever but like those heroes journeys that that kind of story that was that's been so popularized and and kind of outlined by Joseph Campbell has been really helpful for me in just like reading about other people through story, through myth, whatever, or through autobiography or, or biography, just reading about other people going into their own unknowns, um, I think helps, right? Because we're, we're very mimetic creatures. Mm-hmm. We copy, we, we, we learn a lot from the examples of others and, and just seeing that kind of perpetual, universal, age-old story of stepping into the unknown and kind of bringing back what you find to bring back life to 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 our world. Mm-hmm. Um, that's been like tapping into that archetype has been really, really helpful too. And like reminding me that this is what we're all here to do. This is kind of our human history and heritage. And you guys are constantly doing it with what you're doing. I started doing it at a very early, early age um, as a child. You know, I used to be in a ski team and we used to go to ski camp. So I actually, I spent my winters, you know, outside of my home uh, from a very, very early age. And that made me fairly comfortable with being on my own and, and having that courage, you know, in combination with ski training. But then when I was 
um, 24, you know, I came to this, to the U S by myself with two mm. bags of clothes with no real plan besides having, uh, being admitted in a master's degree, um, program. So, but I didn't know anybody here. I was, I was all by myself. So mm. yes, that stepping into the unknown is, is a repetitive behavior of mine. And it's one that I actually really enjoy because until you, until you see what's on the other side, how do you know that your situation is better? And when we're talking about that stepping into the unknown, you know, I think a big portion of, of this hustle mentality, you know, I, I've been doing a lot of research on like, where does this come from? And so the whole history of it and, you know, not even talking about the hustle point stars that are inspiring that on social media, but, you know, the whole, the whole story of even taking the 40 our work week. Where does that come from? It comes from an 18th century model where Henry Ford created the eight-hour work week to actually shrink it down from a 12-hour work week because he saw, you know, he had a factory that was working that was open 24-7. So he wanted to put people on shifts of eight hours. Mm. So he can get and he of course he saw an increase in productivity because people were working less hours and they had more leisure time, which meant they can actually have time to drive his cars. And it all of a sudden became the standard. This is an 18th century model. We're in the 21st century. Yeah. Why are we still on the same model? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's really crazy. If you think about it, it's like these, uh, I remember when, when I left my, you know, my job and I just was all of a sudden every day was open. There was no Monday or Friday or Saturday. It was just all every day I could do what I wanted. I remember I was questioning a lot, like, why are we working five days and resting only two days? Like, what's the, what's the point behind this? Like, why isn't it the other way around? Uh, when it seems like we could in, it, in our, in our time. And the history be before the factory was that you worked when you needed to, to some degree, right? Like people, people were a lot more self-sustainable and yes, maybe this, this was a hard life. I'm not trying to glorify it or anything, but usually, uh, you, you worked when there was work and yeah. you didn't work when there wasn't. And part of the problem with factories is that didn't work. Yeah. And so they had to standardize like, yeah. a schedule and, and kind of, they needed people to come you know, five days a week or whatever. It was partly because of the factory model that we had to come up with a five-day work week. Most of us aren't working in factories anymore. At least the situation we're talking about here is, is uh, definitely divorced from the factory. Right. And so now you're touching on a really interesting point because um, not only we're not in factories anymore, and I'm not talking about, you know, if you're like out in the fields picking lettuce and it's 110 degrees, you know, you can probably push from an eight hours to 12 hours and have some incremental benefits there in terms of your output and call that a hustle. But for most of us who are in the brain knowledge industry, so to speak, there's only so much you can put push your brain mm. into that high performance state. So now I'm, I, I got into a lot of neuroscience, a lot of research, a lot of studies and the science, uh, I know, and this is where on hustle, is heading into that direction. It's a very counterintuitive, but very revolutionary approach to the way we live and work and in that order. Because when you, when you can only push your brain in high-performing state for a certain amount of hours, and actually research says that it's that amount of hours is three hours a day, mm -hmm. approximately, um, then 
you know, working 18 hours a day, your, your quality diminishes. You're not producing uh, high quality work. Um, you're definitely not creative. Um, you're definitely not tapping into your intuition. So there's a lot of things going against what you're doing. Now, thanks to technology, there's a lot of things we can delegate, automate, give to somebody else with a lower hourly rate. The game has changed, but we haven't changed. And this is where I'm trying to push um, a lot of people with Unhustle is to re-look at how they work, rethink how they work, relearn what we've been asked to do and figure out a way to do it. And I'm not talking work smarter, not harder. I'm talking about a completely different way of looking where you can tap into your energy and you can type into your soul and, and, your, and into your intuition and you can not compete on the way we've been known to compete. Bring your superpowers, show up alive and awake and fully align each day and unfold into that magic that we have as humans as opposed to being stuck on in distractions land thanks to technology, being stuck in competitiveness thanks to social media and not taking care of our minds and bodies, which leaves us completely exhausted and depleted and burned out and sick and tired at the end of the day. And in a weird way, it leads to you needing to work that much time because, I mean, then you become more like a cog in a machine. I, I think a lot of the, you know, one of the ways out um, of that kind of situation is to start tapping into your creativity, right? We're talking about creative work. We're talking about finding finding ways to step more into that. And one of the things I've really, I really resonate with your kind of message on this is like, you're kind of pointing toward like, you need to know who you are to do that too, right? So it's like, it's like, it's understanding our physical bodies, it's understanding kind of that aspect of us and getting in touch with that for sure. And it's also, you know, a question you've asked, um, when we were talking about this on an earlier call was like, what are the ways that you are different? What do you have to offer? And I think getting to that question of like, what are the real gifts you have to offer in the world, right? How, how can you kind of leverage those and work with those? It's actually, I think, a really hard question a lot of times, and it takes work and time to get there. Um, I think something changes when we start to tap into those things. You know, you bring up such a great point, and, and that's definitely part of the Unhustle framework is like knowing your values and identifying your values, which is, the, which is what I had to do when I said, okay, this isn't working for me. What's my next step? What is really my calling in the world? And tapping into your purpose. I actually um, I interviewed Richard Leider, He's, um, who spent 40 years in studying purpose on my podcast. And he, he has like the napkin test to how to find your purpose. And it's basically, you know, your gifts, your talents, your strengths, echo your calling. So if you're wondering how to identify your purpose, you can definitely use this napkin test. In mm. terms of values, you know, we think it's really hard to figure out your values. Um, and I did a coaching session with somebody a few months back and he thought this is going to take months. And we figured out his values in like 45 minutes. It, honestly, it's not that hard to do. If you're put in an environment, like in a safe environment where, some, where you can talk with somebody and have that conversation of, just really digging deep. Sometimes you can do it on your own with, you know, with taking time to be still and, and going through exercises or, you know, whatever. It, it's not that hard to 
to dig into your values. And your values will change over time as well. But once you know your values and once you know your purpose, then yeah, that is your difference. That is your your superpower. That is the way to stand out instead of competing um, with thousands of other people. I think there's another dimension too that that I've seen, which is that over time, right, we have these different experiences. We build different skill sets from from whatever life throws at us and the choices we make. And there's kind of a multiplier effect that happens. And and I think a lot of times it's like you end up becoming the person who did A, D, F, G, and Y. And it's like they multiply together to put you in this kind of unique niche where it's like no one's done that combination of things with that experience like if if, if you're able to kind of follow your curiosity and follow the, this kind of breadcrumb crumb trail you naturally kind of end up in a place no one else has gone because mm. you're following i don't know i would call it you're following your soul or you're following you know you're following your calling there and it leads you somewhere that is going to be naturally your territory. Um, and But I do think there's a certain level of surrender that has to happen because this is not the same place as like my mind or my ego, that, that willpower aspect. I, that tends to be more inclined in trying to compete on the same level as everyone else or be the best at a certain thing instead of being the only, um, which actually tends to be a much more wandering road. And, and in a lot of ways, kind of vulnerable because you don't really... You don't know until you get there that that's where you were going. Mm, you're bringing up such great points that vulnerability is huge. Being able to let go is huge. Um, and yeah, rewriting that story in your head, which so many of us have and have been told uh, from the minute we were born uh, who we are. Mm. But who we are... <laughs> That is a whole deep conversation. I wonder if you could talk about the faith aspect, because I think everything that I'm hearing in this conversation is about breaking molds, breaking what we've been told, unlearning, unthinking, undoing the patterns that we've inherited and that we don't even know why we're doing it, like the 40-hour work week. Um, and it takes courage. And along with courage, I feel like you have to have faith that you are, I don't know, that, that, that you're onto something in questioning that model and going in search of a model that feels better for you and that is more aligned. And how do you keep the faith? Because I'm sure on your journey with this, there are many times, and I know it's the case for us, for, for me personally, where sometimes I just lose the faith. I just think, what if I'm wrong? What if, what if this is wrong? What if there is no way to do this? And I'm just, I'm just fooling myself that, that, it, that it can be done. How do you work with these, um, these questions and uncertainties? Ah, uh, that is such a great question. And yeah, I'm, I'm hopefully not painting here a rosy picture that I have figured everything out. And that is, <laughs> that's the way to, you know, to ultimate freedom because this, the struggle is real. If you were, we'd call bullshit on you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. I mean, um, the struggle is real. Um, the fear is real, right? And see, being able to sit with that fear and actually fall in love with the fear 
instead of trying to overcome it or, you know, ignore it or push it aside. It's, it's all that language that we use when it comes to fear. And fear is just, it's there to protect us, right? And so all this self-doubt and am I doing the right thing? And is it going to work? Is my messaging clear on my website? You know, all these things that we all have as entrepreneurs constantly show up and I'm, I'm absolutely not immune to it. But this is where I think having a um, having all my actually human potential coaching training um, comes in extremely handy because we did a lot of work in in how to how to uh, rewrite your story, how to fall in love with the fear, how to how to how to question, how to sit with the uncomfortable, and it's it's always work in progress. So in terms of the fate, the way I look at that personally is. I look at the hard data. I don't just do this from a very spiritual type perspective. I do it from a very analytical, um, credible perspective. And that's why I like to look at surveys and science and you know neuroscience and biohacking and all these um, things that I've gotten myself into that are showing and proving that we have uh, so much more potential to mm. do what we want to do than we, for the most part, give ourselves credit to. But because we are so convoluted in the busyness and the fast living and the always on world, we can't tap into these powers. So we're basically pushing them down when uh, by not by not giving them a chance to surface. I think you know one of the things like. I hear in, in some of your answers that I want to touch on again is like, to me at least, uh, I won't put words in your mouth, but I think this is what I'm hearing from you too, is that the answer here, first off, having a lot of practices that help us explore this in different areas, right? Like the, the point of a meditation practice, or the, the point of whatever, maybe a gardening practice or whatever, it doesn't have to be the point, but a lot of times I think is that these things will these things also carry over into other aspects of our life, right? That they're not just, they're not isolated. They're, they're interconnected and it's a, it's holistic, right? It bleeds out and other things. And, and I, I have found that a lot of the other practices that I've been doing before I started to have some of this faith, before I was on this path, those started first, at least some of them did. And I've embraced them more and more as I go further, because they're essential to continuing because this, this is something that oscillates. This is like the light's not always there. I've actually just come out of a like pretty dark period where like the light definitely turned off or dimmed for Mm -hmm. a while. And like, I think that's, that's part of it, right? There, there is, there, there are definitely those times and it's kind of, kind of weathering it, but things like meditation, um, for, for us recently, ayahuasca has been, has been a major one trekking, traveling, um, the, uh, the, our, our business ventures as well end up becoming these practices too, but different ways of working with the unknown and working with that fear. Like, and, and maybe in the beginning, it's in some places that are smaller or feel safer, right? If you can't, if you can't like wager your life Mm. on it, uh, maybe you wager your Saturday mornings on it. And then you kind of work up from there. But my experience has been as I commit more to those practices that are designed 
to dance in dialogue with that unknown place and also are, are, are really, you know, about bringing me to me. Because I think a lot of, and whenever I get into these hustle mentalities, inevitably what's happened is I start looking outward and I start hearing those shoulds. And like, I start taking on other people's rules for my own. And these practices tend to bring me back to that, that, that inner, that inner place. Um, I think, you know, you're talking about also like the wisdom of the body. We haven't talked much about intuition and the unconscious, but I'd like to throw that in there too. But bringing us back to our, our own kind of individual wisdom. And when, whenever I do am able to ground myself there, a lot of that anxiety, a lot of those things go away, or at least they, maybe they're more, maybe they don't go away, but they're more relative. Like they're more in their, they're one of many things and, and, and there's, I can witness it rather than identify and be possessed by it. And all of a sudden uh, I can tap into deeper levels of, of creativity and a lot of kind of feelings, right? Like it, I have a deeper sense of self, but it's, it tends to be whenever I get disconnected from that place um, that I then start to get into this hustle mentality. And it's, that's the funny thing about this hustle mentality is that it seems to me when, when I observe it is like, it's really designed to keep you from yourself in some ways or to, or to distract you, right? It, it disconnects you. You are disconnected from yourself. And, and so until you can stop doing that, how are you going to connect with that source where anything different could emerge from? You're hired to work for a hustle. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I will expand the coaching network for a hustle, and I would definitely send you an invitation oh, because I'm all in. <laughs> because you're absolutely spot on. Um, and so you know, up to this point, we've been talking pretty high level, pretty kind of not really concepts that I feel like a lot of people can grasp. So why don't we bring it down a level and talk a little bit more practical things? Mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis because I feel like sometimes when you're in that grind and in the hustle you can't you don't even have five minutes to yourself right mm-hmm. so we're talking about trekking and meditation and you know all these yeah all these great things that uh, people just don't have time so yeah um so right so that's also a, a component of the unhustle framework is how do you unbusy yourself Mm. And so I almost, I don't know what you guys want to take this, it's, it's your podcast, but I almost feel like talking about some p- very practical things. And I want to dig deeper into how you um, got out of your dark. Yeah. Yeah. Let's your, go there. Yeah. Let's yeah. go there. So tell me, tell me, I guess, what happened and how you, how you started to see that something's wrong. So I think for me, this, the story was I pushed myself too hard and my my health started failing. I had like really obvious signs. I think most people would have picked it up earlier. I was just pretty hard headed. But I for me, one of the things, you know, it sounds kind of cliche a lot of times, but for me, I started visiting Azendo. Um and and actually the thought process, I was driving home from work one day, I was at a red light and you know, I was dreaming of like traveling to Asia, maybe Nepal and studying meditation there. Like these kind of like, what if dreams that I would have a lot? Like, what if I just did that and just said, fuck all. And then I was sitting at the red light and I was just like, something called bullshit. It's like, dude, you could do that here. You don't need to go to Nepal to do that. Mm. And 
I, the light turned green. I went home and I looked, I typed in Zen and it turned out there was a Zendo literally in walking distance from my apartment. And I started, (laughs) I started going and that was really where like I started to cultivate a space where I started to get in touch with myself and I started to like do these practices because with Zen, it's, it's, it's really strange. I found it really odd at first. Like there's a lot of ritual. It, it was working on me in a lot of ways, but it was really weird. It was almost cult-like in some ways, a weird place. But like for some reason, like I resonated with it and I was like, oh, there's something here. And and the house of cards just started coming. Like that was like one thing I can really point to. There was many, but that was one major practice. I started spending a lot more time by myself. I'd go to the lake where that actually is the bay a lot of the times, or I would try to go get out in nature by myself. And so it was really starting to carve out and maybe some mornings it was five minutes to meditate. But on, on Saturday, I tried to go twice a week to the Zendo and I tried to take walks. So it was starting to just carve out space to be with me for a little while. Um, and and I think that kind of started started to grow. Um, Melana, yeah. I wonder if you were asking Alistair about the dark place that he just came out of now, not oh. so much that. Not <laughs> yeah, maybe so I went the whole wrong way. No, I'm that. just, no, I'm just wondering. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go, we'll go, we'll go to the place that he's he just got out of now. But um, but what you just described is a perfect example. If somebody is like in the full on in the grind, what do I do? I feel overwhelmed. You know, I, I have all this anxiety, and these times are so hard right now. What you just described, you know. Mine is probably going to the to the Zen place. Everybody can do it like right now in this minute to connect a little bit more with themselves um, by you know just taking five minutes in the morning to to even if it's even if you don't have a meditation practice or mindfulness practice, you know you can just sit with your cup of tea or your cup of coffee and do not touch your phone um, and just just sit just sit with that cup of tea and. You know, some people like to journal, some people like to meditate, some people like to stare at space, some people just would just, just five minutes, everybody, you know, there's 14, 40 minutes in a day, you can take even a minute, if, even if it's just a minute to kind of connect with yourself and have that peace, have that minute for silence. And, you know, that's actually like I have the Unhustle Morning program and that's like one of the practices in it. It's whether you have a mindfulness or a meditation practice or a gratitude practice, specifically a gratitude practice or a gratitude practice, you know, say something you're grateful for, like three things you're grateful for from the past 24 hours. You rewire your brain in 21 days to where mm-hmm. you start to experience more uh, more joy and, and more fulfillment. So again, touching back on, on the neuroscience behind it, what you started to do is exactly a very, very first step that anyone who's, uh, who feels getting into that hustle mentality and that grind can, can go to, you know, go for a walk, go connect with nature, go hang out at the lake for as much time as you can, but make it a priority because if you're not making it a priority, you're not giving it a chance to really start to flourish. So tell me about your latest episode, <laughs> yeah. So, so hold on before we go to that is one thing that now, now that you're talking about this, uh, I remember, and I know that like, I'm remembering things that happened later, like there were earlier steps, right? Like the, but there, but there is harder to get back there. And I think you're totally right. It's like, do it for five minutes or for five seconds, take mm-hmm. that cold shower. Right. It's like, I think it's developing to some degree, it's developing a warrior mindset. And I'm thinking about it with like the sword where you have to cut away 
some of the crap. You have to cut, you know, like cut some of it away and remove some of the stuff. And, and there's a discipline that comes with that too, of like, all right, I'm going to commit to myself. And that is the most important thing. It's like, maybe the practice works, maybe it doesn't. But like, it's starting to develop that kind of almost that discipline or responsibility oneself that you're going to see it through. And I think there's, there's momentum and energy that comes from that. And one thing that now that I'm thinking about it, that even before I think, I think before the Zendo was my, my friend and I, I started to realize this kind of three hour thing and about, you know, I'm giving my best time to a, a company and I should never be doing that. I, I should be giving, at least for me, I decided, you know, I need to make it a priority that I give. If, if I ever want to do something different, I need to give that time to myself um, because I was starting to really get hip to, you know, my attention is is my my biggest asset. If I cannot find a way to control my, other people are paying for my attention. They're paying for me to apply it to their projects and their projects are growing and thriving because of it. If, if I'm not willing to, to kind of buy back my own attention, attention or find, find ways to harness that, that that's a problem. So it was, it was kind of a responsibility thing. And my friend and my friends and I decided, Hey, let's get up at five in the morning. And that would give me three hours before I needed to get ready for work. So the idea was basically, look, I'm going to start giving my bet my, and I'm, I'm a morning person, or at least it was hard to get up at five, especially when I had a nine to five job. But um, usually after a little while, I actually found like these really steep states of bliss from being up at that time because nothing was, no one's expecting anything of you. You don't have to answer to anybody. And so my friend and I played this game where we'd have to get up at five and the first person to text at five, not before, but exactly at five, who, um, who texted the other person a selfie with the lights on would get a point. Um, so you get a point. And if then if, if you didn't look at the news or social media or any outside source of information from five to eight, you got a second point. So you nice. could get these, yeah, yeah. So you could get two points a day, um, potentially. And we made it kind of a game out of it. And there, but there I was a com- commitment to each other. And, and that gave me, I probably did that for six months to a year or something. I don't know, but these were all different ways to, to build a space where like, I had nothing to do. And that was really uncomfortable in the beginning. And I think that's the thing is like, this, it is uncomfortable. It's because then you kind of have to find yourself in that. It's like, oh, well, what the hell do I like doing? And for me, it was creating that space for that self-exploration and dedicating and prioritizing my, my energy in that way. So that was another, that's another practice that I think gets at, you know, some of the things you're, you're also saying. Uh, you're bringing so many great points. And yeah, I mean, Talking about where you put your attention, your energy flows, right? Where your attention goes, your energy flows. That is so true. And so what are we doing day after day? We're scrambling, you know, putting out fires. We're, we're, we're stuck on projects that maybe are not necessarily making you happy at the end of the day. We're just checking off to-do lists. We're checking off to-do lists so that we don't sit with ourselves mm-hmm. because yeah. it is uncomfortable. And many of us don't want to face and ask ourselves the hard questions. Um, And that's why we're getting stuck into the, uh, I'll just do more. I'll just work more. I'll just work longer hours because I don't want to ask myself what I really, who am I and what do I really want and what are my values? Especially that might unravel the the life you built up to that point, right? Like, 
or then getting it, then, deeper into some childhood tr- trauma or you know mm-hmm. current trauma or yeah. something that you're dealing with and bringing that up to the surface instead of we drowning in work so that we don't have to deal with this right yeah and then you in, in then you doing the practice that you just described and having like an accountability buddy is, is that's brilliant i mean and anything that i preach with an hustle is completely free and open and available to everybody right now Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, yeah, it takes discipline. Yes, it takes inner work. But anybody and everybody can start doing all these practices and putting putting your attention on what you want it to grow. But uh, there's a lot of overcoming that feeling of, of being uncomfortable. And so that's where having, like, like you're saying, some kind of a, a meditation and mindfulness practice could be super helpful. For me, it was like somebody flipped the switch. I did a, a very intensive eight-week mindful, mindfulness practice, and at the end of it, I was like, "Wow, this is a complete game changer!" And that's when you know I started on hustle and start working on that project because I'm like, other people need to see that there is a different way of finding inner joy and everyday joy as opposed to chasing the goals that we are told to chase every day. Mm. I think this is a great. Uh, sort of segue because there is something I would like to hear your thoughts on uh, because I think it's such a key part of this of this at least for me it, it has been a key part of reinventing the way that I live and 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 lead my life including work uh, it's the idea of like redefining what success is because I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but I think it links it links back to what you were saying earlier about knowing your values. You can't build the life that you want if you don't know your values, because otherwise, what's your? You're building it on the life someone else wants. Yeah, exactly. And like, what's your um? What's like the oh? There's a there's a word in in corporate like o, OPK or like what? Wh- how do you define the objective if, if if you don't know what you want in life and what your biggest values are? KPIs. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, God knows. Yeah, there's like uh, an OK OKR. Yeah, oh so. yeah, it's, it's one of these acronyms where it's like how do you measure success basically? And, and key performance right. indicators. Yeah, yeah key yeah. performance indicators. Yeah. That's that's a good one. But yeah, it's it's. How do you, how do you make sure that you know who you are? And I think for me, for instance, it, it, it it's pretty clear every day that if I have enough money to to sort of you know get through the day comfortably and 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 see the future uh, like in a way that doesn't feel ang- like too anxious for me, I don't need that much money. What I need is a lot of time for uh, free thinking and sort of like associations because my biggest value is inner harmony rather than financial success, right? But I think it's like you have to know what your value is to define what success means to you. Exactly. And success is going to be completely different for for everyone. Yeah. You know, the thing is that in Western society, especially, we define successes is money and wealth and material possessions and titles and house and yeah. the car. And, and they, so that's a lot of material stuff. And I have nothing against material stuff, but, but the way I see it is, you know, we, we, um, we want the material and the money because that, that gives us a sense of security mm-hmm. and safety and 
a lot of time it's the other way around. You find the safety and the security inside. It's an it's uh, yeah. Kyle Sees has a, a great book on the illusion of money and I love that guy. <laughs> yeah, and so it's it's the same thing. You know, it, what he talks about too is just coming down to the mindfulness. It's the it's the have you know when I have the money, um, I'm gonna be able to finally feel good about myself. Where you know it's the have to be versus the be have do concept, right? And mm-hmm. um, in reality, when you turn this around and when you say I feel happy and I feel joy and I feel safe and secure is when the money and that um, everything opens up in such bigger way as opposed to just being so focused on the money because that puts you in such a scarcity type mindset that you're constantly chasing um, something that if you ask if you ask a millionaire what they want, they're going to tell you more money because it's, ne- it's never going to be enough. If you, you know, if you ask a billionaire what they want, they'll probably tell you more money. So, so it's never going to be enough. So when is enough enough to have the life that you want to have? Because the opposite for most people is time, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, there's, there's this, this kind of triangle, right? There's money, time, and, and almost like uh, location. Mm. Like, and there's kind of, I remember at least a, when I was working, there was a running joke. You can always, you can never, you can only have two. Yeah, but but <laughs> I'm talking to the not, money not totally money true, specialist but... here. I'm talking to the financial expert expert here. So <laughs> why, why don't you tell me how you see this? Uh, how chasing money uh, more so yeah, from I, a financial freedom aspect? Well, this whole material thing, right? You're talking about like we think it's going to bring security. And I think there's another way we think it's going to bring security, which is socially, right? Like mm-hmm. if we have the things everyone uses as 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 benchmarks of success, like we're safe from criticism mm-hmm. about how we're living our life or like, or we're going to be in my, like, there's a sense of like, okay, well, it'll be accepted. Mm-hmm. I'll be accepted. Right. And I think, you know, if you, if you go down the path of what are my values and what would it really mean to radically live by those values? that might rock the boat that you might get like that. That's not an easy pro. Like you, you say it's an easy process for me. I, I found that maybe the living from my values part particularly is not an easy process. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, there is a sense of ease that comes with it. Um, but there's another sense where, um, it's challenging. Um, and it means thinking for yourself. And that also means you need to know yourself and that, can feel very risky. Like you're going to have to stand for something. Like that's what values are. Something. What are I you really going want to, stand to dig for? deeper in here? Yeah. So why do you feel? Uh, what do you feel challenging? What do I feel challenging about living from that place? Yeah. Where, where do you feel the challenge of living based on your values? Well, I think for me there was a challenge of getting to what they actually were instead of taking on other values that I thought were mine, but weren't. So that took me getting to crisis, really, for whatever reason, I I had to hit a crisis to really reevaluate that. But I think that's beautiful. I think transformation is born out of a crisis, right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but very hard also. So the other side is living from that place is, is I think it's this constant, like, this is why these, these practices are called practices. It's like, you were asking me about the more recent darkness and how did I get out of that? Well, you know, there, there was a period where I was in it and I couldn't get out of it. I had to be 
I, I kind of had to, I had to be in it. I had to experience it. And, and in that aspect, it's more, I find it being more about kindness and, you know, so, so some degree surrendering and, and accepting and not accepting in the fact that I have to like what's happening, but accepting that it's happening. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and, and allowing like the different parts of me to work through that darkness, because I know that a lot of times going to those dark places is is actually the wellspring from where everything comes and that that it's part of it right like i can't i can't bypass the darkness that's part of me too and that's another part i want to get to know so there's part of that where i can't pass that but and i have to experience it and i find that true you know the other other meditation psychedelics other um traveling alone all these things have also taught me the same thing it's like so it's learning to be with myself in that but as i'm coming out of it Usually it's trying to get back to my practices that I've been working on and they become more habit. They're more habits now, but they're still, you know, somewhat fragile at times. And I still drop them when I'm really in a hard place. I can't always do it. I can't force myself sometimes, but a lot of times these days I can get back to them like things I get back to them and, and then I, and they kind of help me come out. And, and so it's again, carving that space for myself. And for me recently, those habits have been meditation. We wake up, we meditate every morning. And so once I feel like I can, and it's not so much like, it's just, I try to get back to that as soon as I can, because I know this helps whether or not I want to do it. Hmm. Exercise. As soon as I can, I'm walking, I'm exercising, I'm doing yoga, whatever. Periods of time where I can read, like, I know these things because I've, I've, I've worked with them long enough. So I try to get back to these core practices for me. And those are personal to me. They may be different for other people. So I think that has been, I don't even, I, I might've totally missed your question, but I think um, <laughs> well, well, a different well, question that I missed earlier. What you're describing right now is so typical for all entrepreneurs. Uh, yeah. You know, we go to the dark and the, and the, happy periods all the time that's like you, you almost need to have that in order to be an entrepreneur it's almost like a requirement right yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah so um understanding that that's normal understanding that that that's just part of what's happening um and and again being you know taking the time to to just be patient with it and sit with it and and explore it and you know but what I find really hard now that I remember your question is is also just not comparing my journey with other people's journeys or with, or like not comparing or think the success I think I should have or and like really just kind of owning you know where I'm at and what I'm doing. We're in a world where we've got all these you know like you know we were talking I think before we got before we started recording by Instagram particularly that's a place. I really struggle. I, I'm not on there very often at all, but when I go on there, it puts me in a certain place and I, I think it's not good for me. But there's then the pressure of like, well, you need, you know, as a entrepreneur or as someone self-employed, there's this voice, right? That sometimes it's hard not to listen to. Like, well, you need to be visible. You need to be present in these places. Like you're missing major opportunities. Right? And so like, there's this pressure of like, how do I show up and be seen but then how do I not go, like, how do I do that in a way that uh, where I still feel like I'm keeping my integrity? And for example, Instagram, I don't feel like I can do that. But then from a business perspective, I struggle with that because it's like, 
man, that seems like I need to be able to do that. Um, you know, it's like, <laughs> so, so I, that's, that's like the trap I I've been in a lot lately, actually, is the Instagram one's a good example of like, I feel like I need to be there. I see other people having success there. I, every time I go there, it, it doesn't work for me and it kind of poisons, poisons me a bit. And that's hard. Um, and I think sometimes that's a lack of courage maybe to do it a different way i think that's a great that that i was i really would love to hear you talk on on like the particular aspect of being an entrepreneur being the marketing and the visibility because i feel like that's where where we're most prone to want to hustle and how do you handle that in your uh in your business in your journey how have you handled that and how do you continue to handle that I have a secret weapon on that. I mean, <laughs> whoa, whoa, hold on. Yes. <laughs> uh, what you're describing is though so perfect. I mean, that's exactly the. Uh, it puts you in a. It, it puts me in a really shitty place. Really, when I go yeah. on Instagram and it's like immediately we we start getting down that comparisons, judgmental, very judgmental approach of whoa, I should be doing this and I should be doing that. Um, look at them, you know, why am I not doing this? Um, I need to spend more time doing this immediately, right? Immediately yeah. put you mm -hmm. in that. Now, having said that and knowing that, um, I also know that Instagram is a very filtered place. So let's just yeah. you know, direct it specifically to Instagram. I also know that if I'm to talk to the entrepreneur, they're struggling with the exact same challenges you and I are struggling with. I also know that their life is not what their Instagram profile is. Mm -hmm. It never, never. And so knowing that gives you a little bit more breathing room. Again, it comes down to what is right for you. And, and do you really have to be on Instagram or have a lot of followings on Instagram followers to be successful? I mean, that's, That's such a bullshit rule or brew, right? Like uh, Vishen calls it from Mind Valley. Do you, or can you just be on one really big podcast and gain more people in mm. your community than be spending hours on Instagram? I mean, or do you need to write one really big article or do you need to publish a book instead of being on Instagram? You know, what comes first? Is it your connection with your community are you trying to create a community of like-minded people and to what size or are you just trying to have a lot of followers on instagram and have this really polished profile i think it's really easy to get lost in that um i mean I, those are all good questions and definitely and this is why i've always loved this more entrepreneurial life is because i find it forces me to really get down to things like it really makes you ask those second third fourth order questions of like what am i really doing here who is this for and all mm. that gets tiring but most of the time i enjoy that puzzle because it's I, the growth mindset junkie uh, yeah, playground <laughs> it, it's a lot of fun because at the end of the day i it's a it's a pathway for learning about myself and what i'm here to do and all these things so i, I love that but you know, knowing all that about, I know all that about Instagram. I know that it's systematically flawed. I know that it makes me feel bad, but I still feel <laughs> sometimes I, I still get stuck in those, like the, my only, my only solution that I've come up with so far. Uh, well, actually I've come up with two solutions. So, so maybe one of these actually proves your point a little bit. Um, one solution is I don't go on there. I just can't. I, can't, I can't do it. And, <laughs> but the thing is like, there's this haunting part of me is like, 
Are you missing out on an opportunity? Like, and particularly as an introvert, one of the things I struggle with is marketing. I do not like promoting myself, yet I live, I, 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 I need people to know what I'm doing and I don't do a good job there. Um, and I would be a lot more successful, or at least I think I would be, if I was able to be more present around, and, and these are the places people show up. So there's always that, that's kind of gnawing at me. And, me, and, and I think for me, that's a part, particularly personal challenge maybe to prove your point to some degree by not being there in one way, I've, I part my business partner, Kelly over at ripple out retreats and uh, for our retreat business, she's great on Instagram. And it seems to be a place where she thrives and she has a community there. So, and so we've partnered together and that's been one way where like, I don't have to be on Instagram, uh, but, but I can still garner some of the benefits yeah, I don't know. It's something I still struggle with all the time. And for the most part, it's either, it's it's basically I, I will go on, try to do it over time. Like it just gets worse and worse and worse. And then I go completely off. And then I, and over time at, at some point, it kind of nags me. And I'm like, yeah, you should be on there. Like, okay. And yeah. then you do these cycles. Yeah. And totally normal for, um, for a lot of people, what you're, what you're describing. And so I would say, you know, in terms of like my, my secret weapon is, for one, if it's putting you in a bad spot uh, mentally, then it's not the place for you because... That's a, that's exactly what I was going to say, actually. Just hearing him reflect, is this is yeah. something he talks to me about a lot, but it, it, it became pretty clear as he was talking. Well, I guess it kind of depends what your goal is. If your goal is to feel good in your business and feel like you're you're having an aligned business and going on Instagram makes you feel not aligned then the answer is really clear you are not supposed to be on there period and i wouldn't even like try to go back every so often to try to figure out if that's what it's like no you seem to have given this plenty of tries and it's not working and then it's and then the second question is like well then what does that mean about how i want how i can have success if if success won't look like a lot of followers on Instagram, what is the sort of success that I can create for myself that will meet the needs that I have and, and sort of where I'm trying to go with, with this business? Yeah, but, uh, you know, we don't need any more Instagram influencers. We, yeah. we, need, we need more people <laughs> yes. like you who are starting communities and starting making transformational changes in people. But that's not going to happen on Instagram. Now, if you feel like you're going to have the... If you feel like your Instagram presence is mandatory in some way to the success of your business, then outsource that to somebody who's good at it and get yourself out mm. of that game and f- just focus on what makes you happy, whether that's your writing and maybe they can you know, take, take their, your writing and turn it into Instagram posts, whether it's your, your podcast platform. And maybe that's your place where you connect with people and you form a community and not worry about what everybody else is doing. Mm. I think at the end, it comes down back to that faith thing, right? Like, yes. it, it, do you have, do I have faith in like saying, hey, look, maybe that works for other people, but like, it, it's almost like a lack of creative thinking, right? Or, and, and I think it's also some, it's, it's, it can be a lack of faith of kind of not, going the other way and just saying like, oh, look, you, you'll figure it out. But because there's always that, you know, I remember when I was working, when, when I was b- building startups, there's always that lesson you learn, either you learn it or you, you heed it, uh, which is that 
you have to be really careful what kind of business you're building because that's the kind of business you're going to have. Mm. So like the things you do while you're building it to create the business, the business will come to rely on those things and then and they will become a necessary part of that business model. And so if the best way not to build a business you don't like is to ruthlessly not do shit you don't like uh, and, and, and like build that into it and make that a requirement, right? And, and there's, there's some limit to that, but... Let me, let me give you three stories. Yeah. Let me share three stories with you on that whole Instagram thing because I feel like I want to give you some practical examples to put things into context for you and for everybody else listening. So, for example, story number one is uh, Leo Babauda from Zen Habits. Yeah. who started his blog by just writing. And if you go to his website, which I think it's zenhabits.net, you would see his latest blog and there is no social media that he does. Yeah, I love his website. And he's great. reaching 2 million plus people. So that whole myth of you have to be successful on Instagram in order to form a community and form and, and have a successful business um, is a complete myth. My second story mm-hmm. has to do with Marie Folio, who a lot of people may know. Um, she's very successful. She has B-School. She has Marie Folio TV. So she has a TV platform that she connects with people. She doesn't even have social media on her website because that's a distraction for people to go from her website to her social media because she, you know, she's trying to connect with people from her website, you know, get them um, to do her free training. So she focuses her energy and the the channeling of the user experience to people to connect with her via email. And the third example I want to give you is with uh, Jess Davis, uh, who started Folk Rebellion, which was one of the first, you know, digital detox movements. Back in the days, I actually have a podcast interview with, with Jess Davis on my podcast on the Unhustle podcast. And we talk about how she um, she was also a digital marketer, so she knows the game, she knows the algorithms, she knows how it works or doesn't work because we spend so much effort, you know, into trying to to beat the algorithm game and mm-hmm. not necessarily being very successful with it. So she built her business and she she threw herself into anything and everything, you know, speaking and conferences and partnerships and and social media and writing. And then uh, completely burned out. I mean, she was just a complete exhaustion. And so now she's uh, she dismantled the company she built. To your point, you know, be careful what business you're building. She yeah. she went off the internet for a year, completely, and then dismantled the company she built. And now she just does um, a, a newsletter subscription, and I think it's like five dollars a month or something to her database, and that's how she's generating money. So these are three examples of how. You don't have to do what everybody else is doing. You have to do what uh, you believe in, where you, how you want to build your platform and your business. And this whole um, myth of Instagram influencers and personal branding and rah-rah and how many followers you have means very little to the bottom line in some cases. And that's a, such a disillusionment and such a good example of how we can get stuck into this hustle mentality because everybody else is doing it. And that's what I'm standing against. Yeah. And that's, and that's exactly what's difficult, right? Is going upstream on that when, when you see it all around you. Um, and I think this is one of the reasons why these practices we're talking about are so valuable because 
It takes us out of those streams that, that we spend so much time in. And it allows us to like tune into our own stream, that own kind of unique song, right? That, that place where it can come from our creative gifts and maybe we can create, do something in a way uh, that no one else has done it. And, but that's, a, that's a, always a risky enterprise. Uh, and it, at least it's risky in some ways, but it's challenging. And, and I think it really, it, it requires certain resources that we need to start practicing and developing. They're not just there for you a lot of times. I mean, like in some degree, like we can tap into it, but you know, it does take, it does, it does take a constant like practicing with this stuff to, to really let it flourish, to, to have it available when, when you need it to, to, to like to show up with it. If you don't show up, it's not always going to show up. Right. And so, yeah, I think that maybe this is a good way to like kind of look back at the the big picture of what we've been talking about mm-hmm. because yeah, right on with your, with, with what you're saying, Lynn, I, I, I totally agree. And I think the, 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 the other thing that I, I would, I would say on this is, um, Again, I, I, I keep coming back to faith because this is something I'm really uh, working on right now. It's like when when you're embracing your cycles and your seasons as a human being in this in this kind of entrepreneurial journey, you are bound to go through more winterish periods where not much is growing. And it's easy to despair and to think, oh, God, it's it, I've lost it. You know, the creativity won't come back and and. And I'm taking too much of a break and, and then people won't remember who I am when I come back or, you know, like there's this idea you always have to be on. And I think honing in and honoring these seasons and these cycles are also the way to continue to live it from a place where you attract people to you. And, and this is where it gets like a bit more spiritual probably for some people, but I've seen it happen in my own, in my own journey where sometimes people just show up out of the blue and you don't even know how they got to you, but somehow they got to you and you were exactly, uh, you, your message was exactly what they needed to hear. And, and that was extremely valuable to them. And, and the exchange was powerful and you've gained, a, a, a I want to say follower or a, a person in your community that truly believes and resonates with your message. So it also boils down to it's not just a matter of being visible to everyone. It's just a matter of how do you continue to align with who you are and what you have to say so that you can attract the right people and have faith that you will attract them, even though you don't necessarily know how that's going to happen. Beautifully said. I couldn't have said it any better. And you guys were got attracted to my message. And mm. so because it probably resonated with where you are on your journey, right? And so here we are talking yeah. about it. And that's a perfect example of what you're just saying. You know, we we, we met a, a while back, we talked, and the timing wasn't right back then, but the timing is right now. So that's that's exactly illustrating your point of, you know, you attract the people. Um, and sometimes people, you know, come in and out um, and based on where you are on your journey and, so having that magnetic ability to attract the people based mm. on your superpowers and, and, and what you believe in to your point, you know, your fate and, um, and being able to connect with people on the same almost energetic level, so to speak, is where totally. a lot of that power comes in from a, from a building a business without um, hustling. Yeah. Well, I think that's a great place to 
maybe wrap up. But before we do, Milena, would you please share with us where people can find you and what what you're doing over at Unhustle? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. Um, so people can find me at unhustle.com, the website, as well as all the social media channels are Unhustle. And I would, um, what I'm currently doing is I'm working on the Unhustle book. I'm building um, the Unhustle Framework Signature Program. And I have a test on the homepage to see if people need to unhustle, if probably they're working too much, which is a free test that they can take, as well as um, I have like a free ebook with the seven superpowers of high-performing unhustlers, which um, mm. can give them um, a different point of view from uh, people I have interviewed on my podcast, I have interviewed in real life, to just see how other people tap into their superpowers. And that's a free ebook that they can download on the website as well if they're interested. And um, yeah, tag me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I won't, but I, maybe some of our listeners will. <laughs> Tag me on Instagram and then hustle and tell me what your biggest takeaway uh, is from this podcast episode, or maybe what's your biggest struggle, or maybe what's the biggest bullshit that we said on the show. <laughs> and you also have. You also have a podcast. I think it's an Unhustle podcast, yeah. and I'm pretty sure it's everywhere on all the platforms if people want to find it. Yeah, yeah. The Unhustle podcast is, I don't know where it is, probably everywhere um, that people can find <laughs> it. I do know it's on Apple. Um, yeah, probably other okay. places. That's the most important one. Yeah, <laughs> it's on Apple and um, whatever the Google version is. And yeah, I would love to also connect with you guys because I want to dive deeper into into your story because you are challenging society's norms and, and living out of the van and, and living out of Guatemala and you're doing things that not too many people do. So uh, looking forward to connecting with you guys uh, further down the road. That Thanks, would be yeah. wonderful. Love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here today. You have so much wisdom to share and I hope that our listeners got a lot out of it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I don't know if I shared any wisdom, but that's just based on personal experience. But I really, really appreciate you guys having me on. And thank you for being here. Thank you. Thank you. I think what we all learned from this episode is that Alistair sucks at Instagram. Well, <laughs> well if you've been here for a while, you already know that. Oh, yeah, you've been true. saying it for a long time. Yeah. I think it's about time Alistair stops trying being on Instagram, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think it that's right. Like uh, sounds like a good plan. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, Milena. It was a pleasure to have you on today. Yes, and you can find her project again at unhustle.com. Yep. Or you can go to thefarout.life slash podcast slash 102 and see the show notes. Uh, we'll list everything that was mentioned on this. Alistair's a pro at giving URLs, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> that was right, right? It was right. It okay, was right. great. So, hope you had your pen ready for that one. Thefarout.life. Don't yeah. even, don't even. Okay. Uh, it's it's easy. all there. It's yeah. easy. Yeah. All right. Well, we're very grateful you're here. Uh, as always, if you've enjoyed this conversation, share it with a friend. Share it with a friend. Leave a review. Just spread the joy. Yeah. Spread the joy. We'll see you next week. Love you. Toodles. Toodles. Toodles.